now, this is Box to Box Stoppage Time with Rob Gilbert and Derek Dyson. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time. I'm with Rob Gilbert, Derek Dyson and Willem van Denderen for our podcast spun off from the main show where we go through all of our highlights, not necessarily the highlights, at least our highlights of the past week, the teams, the moments of the week and plenty more. Derek, it was a great uh, first up edition of the show with uh, with Henry Winter uh, going through the Gary Lineker story, which uh, is going to get a run in stoppage time as well. Of course, it's too big a story not to. Um, Joe Gauci from Adelaide United. But, um, you know, I mean, it, it was a... It was a, a like a, we were spoiled for choice over over the past week with um, with games and moments and teams and all the rest of it. What, what are you going to kick us off with with your game of the week? Yeah, I had a few a few options for this. I nearly nearly had Manchester United's nil nil draw with Crystal Palace, and you may think I'm joking there, but it was actually an absolute ripper of a game. It wasn't just because it was a great result for Arsenal; it was genuinely a brilliant game of football. Um, but I've actually gone. Back to Bundesliga again, just to make sure that we're not all Premier League on this show. Certainly, my views are not all Premier League. And I think we've been building up this title race in the past few weeks. And what we have is Bayern Munich versus Augsburg at 5-3. So you can't get much better than that in terms of a, a bit of a, a bit of a goal fest, an eight-goal thriller. Um, we were talking about Bayern briefly in the uh, in the main show and how they'd managed to just turn their form around at the right time of the season, going through in the Champions League against uh, PSG. And, of course, they are now clear in their own right in Bundesliga because that result combined with Dortmund, who uh, drew with fierce and bitter rivals at the other end of the table, Schalke, to all in another great game, uh, means that Bayern are now clear and kind of back where they, um, back where they think that they... Uh, belong a brilliant opening goal from Augsburg Barisha, a name that will uh, send names and hearts fluttering for our Australian audiences. This is Mergen Barisha. Um, got an amazing goal to get this day opened up. But Jao Cancelo, that very strange move from City to Bayern, got his first uh, goal uh, for Bayern. Um, and then by the time Leroy Sane scored, it was 4 1. Barisha scored again. Uh, but Alfonso Davis made it 5-2 and a late goal made it 5-3. So um, this means that it's the first time that uh, Dortmund have dropped points in 2023. They had won their last eight games, um, but it is Bayern now heading up Bundesliga, and that was my game of the week. You mentioned, Derek, if I can just put you on the spot, that the Jack and Cello move was a bit of an odd one. Is there something behind that I've missed? Because that did definitely catch me by surprise uh, watching the Champions League the other morning when he came on. Yeah, I th- yeah, it was kind of reported that him and Guardiola had fallen out. And I think this is just what will happen occasionally to a Manchester City or a Chelsea, uh, you know, a squad that um, is just so engorged with talent that, you know, you can only pick 11 players or 10 outfield players. And Jao Cancelo, who is, you know, arguably, you know, was City's best player, probably one of Portugal's best players, um, you would have thought he was on the the, the team sheet every week, uh, first name on there. But something just happened between him and Pep, and Pep was ruthless. As soon as there was an opportunity to get ready, he let go. And this was in a season where City are again fighting for the elusive uh, 
Champions League. And of course, they're in a massive title race with Arsenal. So very odd move, but it uh, doesn't seem to have affected Mr. Cancelo. And he's uh, got his Bundesliga goal account up and running. My game of the week uh, stays in Germany as well, Derek. A game that I never thought, if you had have asked me six months ago, uh, I probably wouldn't have even known who these teams were. If you said that I was going to watch this, I would have looked at you funny. But Union Berlin 3, Union saint Gilois 3, the anti-fascist derby, if you like. Uh, the Alton Forsteri, the uh, Union Stadium, absolutely jam-packed. I'd put it straight on my bucket list, but for the fact that every time I see it, it's full. So I'd probably just disappoint myself. Uh, three times the Belgian side went ahead. Three times the Germans pulled it back. Uh, Josip Juranovic, a favourite of mine uh, on the score sheet. We spoke to Kit Holden about him last week. Uh, for the Belgian Union, Victor Boniface, a 22-year-old from Nigeria, uh, scored a brace and it boiled right down to the 89th minute. Uh, Sven Michael scoring the final equaliser. So that Rob sends them uh, at three all heading into what'll be a, a cracking return leg, I'm sure, in uh, South Brussels this Friday morning. Yeah, it's been a great story, hasn't it? And uh, I know you mentioned uh, uh, Jackson Irvine and St. Pauli um, er- earlier in the week um, uh, on that uh, excellent unbeaten streak of theirs and Union, uh, you know, a similar profile type of a club uh, with, with a similar culture a- around them. Uh, just, uh, you know, they, they, they're, look, they're probably not going to win the league this season, but um, but they've been good value throughout the, the course of the season uh, in, in remaining competitive uh, when, you know, they've uh, uh, they've had a few speed humps along the way. Uh, now, Edge was very excited during the main show earlier on the week about uh, my game of the week and, and a particular goal that was scored by Paige Soyce. Um, it, it just bore the contrasting uh, experiences of football at the Melbourne Victory on, on a day of, of back-to-back derbies at, at Amy Park where where their women's team uh, won to wonder to 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 pretty much uh, secure their position for the time being in the top four and, and make a run at the finals in what's going to be a very exciting and competitive end of the A League women's season as we get to the World Cup. Uh, as Edge said, Paige Joyce was uh, uh, pretty much um, uh, put into right back to to uh, try to curtail the impact of, of City swinger Holly McNamara, but in the end she stole the show and and scored an absolute belter uh, to to uh, uh, help her side win. And it was Melina Ayres, who Hedge happens to manage, who, who won and scored the, the opening goal via a penalty um, and then set up that second goal for Paige Zoyce. So it, it was a ripper uh, for the Melbourne Victory women's side and um, and, and particularly in the context of, of a World Cup uh, on home soil with, with lots of young women hoping against hope that uh, Tony Gustafsson just might be watching out to see if they're the player that he puts on the bench uh, to, to play in front of a home crowd. So, uh, yeah, that was my game of the week in the very, uh, on the very same day that um, that the men's side season just went from bad to worse, uh, losing 2-1 to Melbourne victory. Yeah, I was going to say they're going a lot a lot better than the victory blokes. I might cut in next on my team of the week just to continue the A-League women's theme. Uh, I'm going to coin a phrase around the, uh, the stoppage time halls that relates to the Wellington women. You've got to give it to them when you can because it's not often. Their table column this season reads played 14, won two, drawn three, lost nine, nine points. Their first win was a 5-0 win over Canberra who were contending for the pointy end of the season. Uh, That was on the 22nd of Jan, so a real out of the blue uh, isolated performance there. And then this weekend, they've cracked their second win, 1-0 away to first place Sydney, goal to Kate Taylor. So a season of real oddity and Results out of the box under Natalie Lawrence. They're not going well, but I think they've picked up two Team of the Week gongs from myself. Hmm. Well, I'm going to acknowledge Sasha Pisani at 
uh, keep up for, for my team of the week. Um, obviously, uh, you know, to do our research for, for the show every week, we, we read uh, uh, the the main newspapers, the you know, the Sydney Morning Herald, the uh, the Age, the Telegraph, the Herald Sun, the Advertiser, Courier Mail, you name it, the Australian, to get the local content. But Keep Up is doing a, a really good job of uh, of curating uh, the the story of not only domestic football uh, in the A League men's and women's, um, but also capturing the stories of Australian uh, players uh, around the world. And, and this particular one, if you want to uh, uh, a little more on this rags to Richard story, get on to Keep Up and have a look at Sasha's story where he goes into a lot more detail. But my team of the week is the only unbeaten side in the J League in their first season back in the Japanese top flight uh, after five seasons in the second tier, Alborex Nagata. Not only is this an excellent redemption story, but it also has a great Aussie twist. Thomas Deng, pivotal in defence. Uh, it was uh, He was there, of course, when they won the J2 league title after he left Urawa Red Diamonds uh, to help uh, Alborex uh, get promoted. And another element of that story, which I think we can be proud of, is their manager, 50-year-old, 54-year-old Rikizo Matsushashi, who he'd, only, he'd been a bit of a journeyman manager and only previously worked at Yokohama F. Marinos as an assistant under the wing of Ange Postacoglu and the coaching team that famously won the title a couple of years back. So on the weekend, the Gata knocked off uh, the Japanese giants Kawasaki Frontal. They hadn't beaten them in nine years. Uh, two wins to their name through four rounds. Uh, unbeaten Nagata, third in the J1 and only behind Vissel Kobe and Nagoya Grampus. So uh, if you like a bit of J-League action and you want to watch a story that uh, that seems to be emerging uh, after a promotion uh, uh, battle and uh, and doing well in their first season back in the Japanese top flight, Alborex Nagata. Well, that was you really dig, dug deep there for that one, the Japanese uh, Japanese league. Uh, Rob, I'm I'm going a bit more obvious and a bit more uh, closer to home. Uh, well, my old home, and that's Chelsea as my team of the week. I don't like saying it particularly because it is Chelsea after mm. all. I I have been softened on Chelsea a bit because of Graham Potter because he just and because they lose a lot these days. They do lose a lot, and Potter seems like the sort of bloke that you probably would go for a pint with and. He'd probably have a good chat and he doesn't seem to be like a bad bloke. But um, their third victory in the row over the weekend, obviously they'd come through that task against Borussia Dortmund during the week. It was a great result. You know, Dortmund were flying and Chelsea put in a very muscular performance there. I was really impressed with with, with that win. And of course, uh, going to Leicester City, Away, you know, maybe not the well, certainly not the fortress it used to be, but certainly not a guaranteed win, particularly for uh, Chelsea's form recently. But uh, um, it was a great game, it ended 3 1 uh, to Chelsea. Kai Havertz is now starting to get amongst the goals, of course. Uh, Chelsea don't have a striker, or they're not picking a striker at the moment with Aubameyang well away. They seem to just be following the kind of pet model of just playing lots of uh, playing lots of. Um, midfielders, Mudrik nearly got on the, sc- on the score sheet, but his was offside and it was Kovacic that sealed the victory. Um, who also they also went down to 10 men as well, and that fifth consecutive defeat. And we'll probably need to get our man Rob Tanner back on the show at some mm. point, Rob, mm. because mm. uh, it's just been such a bizarre season for Leicester, mostly bad with some sort of peaks where I think Brendan Rodgers is going to get out of it, but. Um, Chelsea, certainly the dominant team and uh, probably feeling a lot better about life and Graham Potter will just be going to sleep that little bit easier. 
I know we're going to talk about, or at least I am, Gary Lineker a little later, uh, but um, he was there sitting at the stands, in the stands at his uh, beloved Foxes. I thought uh, when I saw his face early in the game that he might have been a lucky charm for them, but um, yeah, not to be. Should we get on with our moment of the week, Rob? I think so. Far away. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to, well, um, I didn't want to spoil. I, I did, I was considering an A-League moment of the week with... Uh, what? Earth game. Do you want me to leave that one, guys? And I'll yes. uh, go on with my actual one. So just wanted to show that I do watch the A-League occasionally, and I'm vaguely aware of what's going on. But I'm staying in the Premier League, and I've just gone with the satire uh, that is uh, Antonio Conte and Richarlison. Um, <laughs> Richarlison is probably my least favourite footballer in world football at the moment. It's a very close one between him and Bruno Fernandes. I think they're both... Terrible people. What about um, Sergio Ramos? He, he's got to be in that conversation, uh, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, I don't suppose we don't cross swords with him as much. He doesn't play for one of my biggest rivals. Yeah, he, you know he's a, just a shit house, and it was good to see him going out of the Champions League. What about Neymar? Or... Sorry, mate. Neymar. Oh, Neymar's another one too. God, you're reeling him off. But Richarlison just strikes me as a you love him if he plays for you potentially, but you hate him. Uh, if he doesn't play for you, particularly if he plays for your um, biggest rivals. This all started with Richarlison not playing um, in a recent game. He jumps onto Brazilian radio, and I'll just give you some of the quotes here. Richarlison said, I'm honest, this season has been shit. Uh, I was coming off two good wins against West Ham and Chelsea, and suddenly Conte puts me on the bench. I don't understand his choices. So Richarlison being a terrible bloke, even to his own manager, um, Conte hit back with the, uh, the following quote. He said, my season is shit and he is right because his season is no good. <laughs> so Conte, again, showing his way of passing the blame onto some, someone else. Um, well, that, that, that's turning up um, it, it, uh, the classic gunfight with a knife. I don't think you want to take on an Italian mm. um, in the Fury Stakes because they're always going to mm. come back at you pretty hard. But look, anyway, Conte picked Richarlison and of course uh, for the game against Forest and of course the uh, the on paper Spurs win 2-0 and once again kind of keep their season going and Richarlison the kind of footnote is that he did score a goal he looked at the uh, um, looked at the the, the touchline and shushed Conte and then found out that his goal was disallowed by VAR <laughs> for uh, offside so Richarlison didn't have the final laugh in this game but uh, this this has been very 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 good value this week, boys. I've really enjoyed it. But to be fair, he did uh, provide the assist. I think it was for Harry Kane. So uh, he, he, did. he, he, he was penalty. pretty useful. Yeah. Yes, he, he won. He won a penalty. It wasn't a terrible game from him. But mm. yeah, just drama all the way. I've really enjoyed that one. Mm. All right. Well, I'm going to jump in next, and uh, I know we we referred to this um, in. Uh, the main show during the week, but uh, you know, look, I've been one of Sam Kerr's biggest critics, and I, I maintain still that she shouldn't be the the captain of the Matildas. I think uh, there are others, in particular Steph Catley, that are better suited to that job. But uh, when the Matildas are going well, uh, and Sam Kerr is uh, is in form, uh, you can put all of those concerns aside, and it seems to be the case with her, her first half strike uh, uh, that was the, the winner for Chelsea in uh, their their match against Manchester United on the weekend. It put them back on the top of the Women's Super League. Uh, um, they started 
the day a point behind United, and uh, but had a game in hand, of course. But her, her 23, 23rd minute goal um, obviously decided the game and gave them a, a huge win and uh, and and what is a, a thrilling title race. So it's the sort of form we need to see Sam in, and uh, and I know I speak for every Australian when I say uh, that all we need to do to put the finishing touches on the Tony Gustafsson story uh, is to, to have Sam at the peak of her powers and uh, um, and provide um, you know that that um, pure class that she possesses at the front end of uh, of a team that's motoring along so uh, well done Sam good on you um, and um, may you bring it back to Australia in a couple of months time that kind of form I can't believe I nearly had my uh, dominoes or bowling pins knocked over by Derek on an A-League moment of the week, but <laughs> I do have Aaron McEnough's 95th minute winner for the glory. Uh, they've been a bit all over the shop this year, Perth, displaced, under siege. Ruben Zadkovic allegedly punched one of his players at training. Uh, Ruben managing as he as he played always sort of on the uh, on the front foot. Uh, tenacious, defiant, but this was their first game back at, uh, at HBF Park. They were down to 10 men after two minutes. Jordan Elsie sent off. Uh, they were battered by the Wanderers, really. Uh, their goalkeeper, Cameron Cook, who's 21 years old, he has unseated Liam Reddy this season. Uh, now, he'd be assessing his future because they've gone and signed Ollie Sale. This is Perth. They've signed Ollie Sale from uh, Wellington on a three-year deal. So Cook will be looking for a, a new club, you'd think, um, unless he wants to warm the bench for, for three or so years. But he proved his worth to any potential suitors here and kept uh, the Wanderers out. Uh, and yeah, it was a, the last-minute winner. Proper, passionate uh, stacks on at the corner flag uh, and the famous glory shed. One of the great sights went up and about. Uh, went absolutely bunter. Uh, my question to you, Derek, is that goal, the game didn't kick off till 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, so that would have gone in shortly after midnight. What were you doing up at that hour? <laughs> didn't watch it live, Willem, but I, I did catch it um, in, a, in a highlights uh, package. So, um, you know, yeah, but obviously it had, it was shades of... Um, Shades of the Arsenal goal from from the week before from uh, Reece Nelson wasn't there. Like, I was almost from the same part of the pitch, and uh, obviously this one took a little deflection. But uh, we managed to get through an entire show and stoppage time without Arsenal being involved. But I've somehow managed to crowbar that in there, Willem. But well, yeah, a great a great goal and a, and a great moment. They do call Aaron McInnoff the uh, the Scottish Reece Nelson, but. Just And this bleeds into my next point as well. We'll come to the hot topic. But as we do look to sort of breathe new life and regenerate what is a bit of a stagnant and stale league in a lot of ways, I think we should remember, Rob, the origins of the glory uh, hmm. in the NSL and how when it's done right. Uh, hmm. I mean, they were just they were fantastic for the comp. It was before my time, but it, hmm. you don't sort of go too long uh, sort of getting into and learning about Australian soccer without finding out the impact that the glory had on the sort of dying days of the NSL uh, through hmm. the late 90s and they rolled on to an extent into the A-League. But yeah, it just shows that there's plenty to be optimistic about uh, when done right. They're a great club, Glory, uh, and went up and out. No, no, good. It, it, it's a good point, and, and you know, I, I, I credited um, Keep Up, uh, which you know has had its critics uh, um, as it uh, found its feet. But I'm finding that a, a useful tool as well. You've got clubs with uh, the Glory's pedigree uh, uh, who who are still providing that halo of, of well, at least their early prestige uh, to to the, uh, the the broader competition, and uh, and then you know. Paramount Plus, uh, you know, improving. I think uh, a little. We haven't given them huge apps, and there's still plenty of faults in the in the format. But uh, but you've got to try and find these positive stories, and, and the, you point out one of them uh, in terms of uh, what it looks like when it's done right. Uh, hot topic. I'm, I'm going to just lead off with hot topic because I know you guys have got a couple of others. But uh, um, I know we didn't, um, you know, bounce Henry Winter with the, the political story that's behind it. 
the whole Tweetgate scenario with the illegal um, immigration bill. Uh, and uh, just to recap what uh, what he tweeted, that uh, this is just immeasurably cruel. Uh, it's an immeasurably cruel policy directed at the most vulnerable people in language not dissimilar to that used by Germany in the 30s. So, so I think that was the ultimate line, the fact that uh, that not that he was being as critical as he was of the government, but um, but using that contrast with uh, Nazi Germany in the 30s and, um, and in some people's views, uh, uh, diminishing the horror of the Holocaust. But uh, hey, you know, if you can't remember uh, uh, horrific moments in history to prevent others in future, then then what are you doing? So um, I, I just wanted to wade a little into the politics uh, of that whole thing and, uh, and endorse uh, Gary Lineker's views uh, and, and uh, the fact that he really came in off the front foot and uh, and if he hadn't have been as as uh, vocal and as forceful in in expressing his opinions maybe people wouldn't have taken notice and if there's one thing's for absolute sure and certain is that they will take notice of it now and um, and hopefully there'll be uh, uh, some benefit for those vulnerable people that um, he sought to uh, to defend in, uh, in in setting off that firestorm have to uh, change the name of the show Rob to uh, ballot box to ballot box Getting yes. a getting a political angle and get your brother on as well to, exactly. to help us out. But um, yeah, that's the next spin-off podcast. But um, yeah, look, I I agree um, with you know with the views, and I don't necessarily see it the way Henry sees it. But again, I respect his uh, ability to to have that that opinion as well. Uh, and look, I think what people need to understand if they're interested is that. Uh, similar to here in Australia with the um, the, the calls to stop the boats, um, you know, the opposition wasn't that vocal on it either because obviously that poor voter that it appeals to, um, you know, is, you know, they want to appeal to those people too. So we have the same people, same situation in the UK where the Labour Party who will win, you know, the general election are not going to try and put a voter offside by coming up with the opposite of the stop the boats policy. So they've been fairly quiet. And the reason I'm saying this is because Gary Lineker, ironically, is like the most high profile person that has voiced any opposition to this. And actually, this is why this thing is blown up, because it just filled a vacuum that was there, but no one was um, saying anything about it. The, the right wing media, right right wing dominated media in the UK obviously thinks it's a really good thing. All the politicians are being quiet. Um, and then Gary steps in and then all hell breaks loose. So that's why this actually happened um, and, and, and blew up so spectacularly. But, um, you know, what I do agree with with Henry Winter is that he's not a news man. He's not presenting the 10 o'clock news. He has a right to an opinion. And actually, I think his analogy of uh, the Holocaust, I think he contextualized it. He said that it was similar. He wasn't saying it was exactly the same. He was saying it was similar. Um, and absolutely, you know, the UK government are sending people to Rwanda, you know, that are arriving in the country. So, you know, it's um, a terrible situation. But yeah, if you want to do that spin-off uh, podcast, box, ballot box to box, uh, Rob, I'm up for it. Yeah, and uh, look, the irony is not lost on me, and I'm not saying this just because it's your club, but um, but uh, uh, it's uh, you don't have to watch much uh, Premier League action um, to see a visit Rwanda on, um, uh, displayed with no irony at all um, on, on the hoardings uh, on the side of the grounds. No, absolutely, I'm not not that happy about it. I'm not, you know, uh, it's a you know, it's easy to be in a kind of ivory tower with Arsenal because we're not we're not necessarily owned by a 
a, a nation state or um, you know a, some kind of gangster type organization. But you know, we still have Emirates emblazoned on the shirts and have done for some time. And uh, yeah, the visit Rwanda doesn't sit sit easily with me either. Um, the mm. the, uh, the president there is apparently a very big fan, but mm. I think the um, the, uh, the the general feeling is that that money could be spent better within the country rather than fueling the uh, the president's ego. Well said. All right. Um, well, guys, why don't we sort of shift a little, uh, do an edge, sort of ninety degree kind of jump <laughs> back onto the football topics? Um, I, yeah. I think you both had a couple of other hot topics of the week to bring us on. Oh, my mine is sort of political because it is Barcelona, and I think we've mentioned this on the show at least briefly before. This is just the ongoing story of the the new corruption allegations that face Barcelona. Um, Joan Laporta, the the current president, was had to come out and say that um, Barcelona have never intentionally bought referees or never had the intention of buying referees. Absolutely never, which flies in the face of uh, 7.4 million pounds or 8 million euros that Barca have been playing a man called Jose Maria Enriquez Negrera. And that's a quality name. I, I rate the name. But Mr. Negrera has been uh, receiving millions and millions of euros. And the accusation is that uh, he's been corrupted by Barcelona to help them with favourable refereeing outcomes, refereeing selections for games, outcomes of red cards and all sorts of other stuff. So it's easy for us to kind of sort of point at this because we don't know what else has been going on uh, with other clubs too. But it's just another sort of notch down for Barcelona, this club that probably for me, I held in such high esteem. They seemed like, you know, they played the best football. I watched their magnificent team under uh, Pep Guardiola come a number of times to the Emirates and play Arsenal nearly off the park. And obviously, they're owned owned by the fans, that iconic stadium, iconic players. But it's just a shit show. And they're, they're in <laughs> debt. They're selling off their future revenues. And now they're bribing referees. So um, Barcelona's reputation in global football, just if it couldn't have gone any lower, it has just gone another bit lower. It is interesting to see that Real Madrid fully endorsed this investigation, <laughs> by the way. So, That's, yeah. I, I was I was about to say, and, and when you're being preached to by Florentino Perez, the Real Madrid uh, president, you you know you're uh, you're wallowing around in the sewers of football. And if you look at the money that was paid to this gent across a 20 year period in correlation to the position he held within the referees association, and then when he didn't hold the position, it's just uncanny. Like it's just it's totally shameless. Um, I'll jump onto my uh, my hot topic as well. Uh, it's been a hot topic for a couple of weeks and it will continue to be so. It's, it's the second division, but this time specifically around the Sutherland Sharks uh, and their expression of interest that was put in alongside the Cronulla Sharks, uh, uh, the NRL club. They uh, might be part of Football Australia's next phase, the request for proposal. Uh, as we know, only clubs invited to do so will put these forward. Uh, but Rob, this is an area you know well and obviously a club close to your heart on the NRL side of things. Uh, 19,000 registered players in the mm. in the Sutherland Shire Football Association. We know that high participation rate doesn't always correlate to successful franchises starting up in certain areas. Uh, I suppose one of the good things here is that 
the NRL club own um, Shark Park in Woolaware. So that's a proper large scale professional mm. stadium, which would make them appealing if you wanted to get together an initial sort of 10 to, to 14 clubs to form uh, a second division. James, James Johnson himself saying he was surprised, but happy and, and this sort of thing should be embraced. So that's going back to the future a little bit. Hasn't always mm. been sort of a happy hunting ground for Australian soccer in terms of um, shaking hands with other codes and putting forward sort of joint group bids. Uh, Michael could speak on that better than anyone. Uh, but yeah, all looks interesting and, and positive. I'm still skeptical about the uh, the whole concept, but um, yeah, I thought maybe you might want to comment on, on Canelo Sharks' involvement. No, absolutely. I mean, even though I grew up in the western suburbs of Sydney, um, being born in the late 60s, uh, Cronulla joined the competition, uh, the uh, the rugby league competition in 1967, and uh, uh, they made the grand final against Manly, famously in one of the most brutal grand finals uh, in 1973. So uh, I was given a Cronulla... Uh, jumper uh, back in the days where you didn't wear club colours very often and uh, I've kept it and I've still got it all these years later and uh, I was there in 2016 when they finally broke the drought and uh, Jack Gibson said ding dong the witch is dead you can turn the porch light off they finally won the grand final after all these years uh, I know very well the story of Cronulla and uh, and the fact that uh, the uh, well, what was Endeavour Field as I was growing up has become Shark Park Ramonda Stadium and it's, it's, it's had more commercial names than just about every other stadium in the competition put together for the very reason that uh, the club has always been uh, 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 despite the fact that they're a seaside club battling from a commercial point of view the one thing that they've always had to their advantage is that they own that ground at Woolaware uh, so uh, with that uh, that huge uh, uh, feeding ground of, uh, of football players of the round ball code uh, that, that that feed into the area um Provided, I think the thing that surprised me most was that Peter Vlandis, who runs the NRL, didn't uh, put the kibosh on it or that there wasn't some clause somewhere in, in their uh, agreement with the NRL that didn't allow them to do it. So uh, the fact that he hasn't said anything suggests that there might not be. So, uh, look, I don't know whether they'll get this up, but um, but if they do, I think um, they, they can prove to be uh, a good addition to uh, uh, to what would be the second division. And, geez, wouldn't it be uh, incredible to see them uh, you know, go through a promotion and rele- relegation battle over the years? And uh, see a, a rugby league club, uh, but then again, we've seen it in uh, in football before. We've seen Collingwood and Carlton in Melbourne, so we can't dismiss uh, the fact that those brands have been involved too. All right, guys, we better wrap it up. I think we've gone a little bit over time. Um, Willem, well done. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Uh, Damien, thank you again sitting there on the sidelines, mate. We might need to call you off the bench uh, over the next few weeks because uh, as we say goodbye for this week to our good mate, Derek, who I think we predicted uh, off the back of the main show that that might be your last. You've still managed to do this show, uh, but I think we could probably confidently say that um, that uh, Baby Dyson is going to be arriving soon and you might need to uh, focus your attention elsewhere. Well, yeah, that'd be a bit late if we're talking this time next week, gents, so... Not out of the question, but um, I'm hoping in in the best possible way that I'm not talking to you guys next week. Well, good luck, mate, from uh, from all your mates on the show and all of our listeners to you and Sarah and Maeve and, uh, uh, and a safe and happy arrival for uh, the, the latest addition to your family, mate. So uh, whenever it is we talk to you next, um, we'll look forward to it. Thanks, guys. All right, well, uh, we'll wrap it up now. Uh, please make sure you subscribe to Box to Box, Stoppage Time and Offside. If you hear me asking for ratings and reviews um, and you haven't done it yet, it's pretty easy. you just got to tap that little five-star. And, and if you give it, give us a rating, um, you don't have to do it once. It's simple. Um, then it just 
just helps us, helps us get the word out there. We're 380 uh, shows we've done so far of uh, Box to Box over uh, well, about eight years now, nine years uh, coming up soon. So if you've been a listener all that time, then, um, you know, give us uh, a little bit of love if you can. Make sure you tweet us at box to box nts and follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook and join us throughout the week as those podcasts drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.